Welcome to Pick 3 Podcast. I'm your host, John, here on Thursday, March 16th, uh, here in the basement. I'm actually alone today. Uh, this is going to be an interesting experiment. Uh, we had some traveling issues with the other two, but they'll be back next week. Just wanted to get pop on here and, you know, just throw some stuff out there. We've uh, had some horse racing news go on and, you know, a little update from our competitions, which have not been very good. Um I believe we were all losers again in our last pick three competition, which is not surprising. Again, you know, the whole part of that was we were like, well, pick threes will be easy. This will be something that we can hit a couple of times and we'll, you know, move forward into the spring meet at Keeneland going back into the, the pick five competition and just kind of feel good about ourselves. And so far we've, uh, we've done just the opposite. Uh, haven't been very good at all. I, I, I keep sticking with that strategy of going two, three, two, 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 three. And what I mean is like two horses, two horses, three horses, just to bet at $5 to get that $60 limit. And for whatever reason, that's just not working out for me. So I need to completely shut that down and think of a different strategy. Um, since the other two aren't here today, I am going to do a couple things differently. Um, I'm going to I'm going to go from, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, just kind of early what the winter meets looked like from the jockey standpoint. I'm going to do a, a quick uh, kind of power rankings of the top 10 jockeys across all the major tracks. Uh, and just kind of based off of what's gone on so far this year, you know, who has really stuck out and, you know, who to kind of keep an eye on because, you know, some of these guys aren't necessarily the obvious ones and that some of them might not even be the best overall, but um, have done really well at their respective tracks. But we'll get into that a little bit more later. Um, Most of you guys listening are probably sports fans also. So, you know, that uh, March Madness is going on and and this is one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, Actually just watched Furman upset Virginia on an awesome uh, last second three pointer. I love March Madness. I love filling out the brackets. I love, uh, you know, just kind of debating with everybody. But it's just funny to me that everybody becomes a college basketball exer- expert around March Madness. And you know, as a Kentucky fan, we all are, we all consider ourselves you know college basketball experts anyway. But it's just funny to me when you you know I ran into a guy I was talking to a guy at the office. This guy doesn't watch any sports, none. But, you know, he socially likes to get involved in the bracket and stuff. And and he goes, he said to me the other day, he said, uh, who you like in this firm in Virginia game? And I said, well, you know, uh, I'm not sure about the ACC, but Virginia's always had really good defense. Uh, don't know much about Furman. He goes, oh, don't sleep on Furman. Furman's pretty good. That guy doesn't know anything about Furman. Come on. Like, I wanted to, you know, in a work environment, you can't just straight up call somebody out. But I wanted to be like, hey, man, like. You, you you watch Furman a lot. Does are they they run a good offense? Got good shooting? Yeah. Right, well, okay. Tell me a little bit about Furman. Who's, who's one player? On, you know, everybody just. I don't know. Uh, I can save that for the next edition of the Grinds My Gears episode. But it is fun, and uh, so far in the tournament, we've already seen really good games. And uh, of course, we've got Kentucky playing tomorrow. I don't know how that's going to go. Um, I don't know how it's going to go. That's all I'm going to say. Um, hopefully we will at least get to see Sunday. That would be fun. It'd be fun to go into a tournament and actually progress in the tournament. That would be a really cool, fun change of pace. 
But anywho, I digress. This is a horse racing podcast. And so that's what we're going to stick with. A um, couple of things that just, you know, if you are on horse racing Twitter at all, um, and I know some people are, some people aren't. If you listen to our podcast, you're either a horse racing fan or you kind of, you, you might know us and just kind of like following along and probably don't get on horse racing Twitter and maybe don't even follow the sport that closely, but still like to watch it casually and, and follow the big races. But, you know, there's a lot of talk kind of all the time about which trainers are, you know, kind of on the shady side, which jockeys we don't really like. Um, and you know, whether or not there's any merit to that type of stuff, you know, it, it's, it remains to be seen. But what I can say is, is that there's been some developments in this Bob Baffert stuff from, from where he was, uh, you know, they disqualified Medina spirit, um, from winning the church, you know, the, the Derby, the stewards, uh, disqualified him after he won because of some substances they found in his, in the drug test. And that is the first time that's ever happened. Um, and now they, the a judge has basically sent a case, which is a group of betters that are suing Baffert that would have made, uh, they claim a good sum of money on that particular race had he not been disqualified for cheating. Um, and it, it offers a very weird perspective on the whole idea of the kind of back, you know, on the backside, uh, what happens behind the scenes at these tracks. Um, uh, you know, if you go on to blood horse and just Google, suspended or suspension or something, you will be shocked um, because it's, it's constant. I mean, it's all the time. It's all the time that you see trainers, um, jockeys, but, but I'm mainly focusing on trainers here uh, that are suspended maybe for 10 days, uh, 30 days, whatever it may be for using too much of a certain substance or using a banned sub- substance at all. So what, it makes me wonder is one, obviously, I mean, most of these trainers are really big name trainers. It's not like it's these guys that are trying to make a name for themselves and they're trying to get a little bit of edge because they don't, you know, they feel like they're at a disadvantage because they're not getting the right horses. No, these are big time trainers. These are trainers that are getting every horse that they could possibly desire. And it makes you wonder just how commonplace this is and has always been. Um, as the testing and the frequency and quality of the test continue to advance as we go along, you know, how many of these trainers that you consider legends are going to be somewhat quote unquote exposed for some of these behaviors that um, are obviously frowned upon. Now on the, in the case of Baffert, you know, sometimes you wonder his just personality in general Uh, you know, he's got the, white hair, kind of the smug, uh, look a little cocky, you know, I remember as a kid, just kind of like every, you know, when he'd win a triple crown race or something, and I'd be like, oh, this guy, it just doesn't seem like a guy I want to hang out with. And, uh, you wonder how much of just his personality in general, uh, is the part of the reason that, that horse racing's kind of going after him and not letting, letting up on this at all, because regardless of, you know, how you feel about whether his behavior or his use of these substances 
um, was effective or, you know, we do know it's illegal, but you know, to, if you look at, again, if you look at just suspensions in, in general, it happens all the time. Um, but because it's Bob Baffert, uh, and his success that he's had in races, it's obviously going to be, you know, blown up and, and as it, it probably should, um, where do we go forward from here? I mean, you know, is it just going to remain the same game? Probably, uh, probably, you know, this stuff's been going on forever. Um, just like any kind of sport, how can you get an edge without getting caught? Um, you know, go down your list of sports. I mean, we're just coming off of the Houston Astros conspiracy in the world series where they're banging trash cans and wearing monitors, um, about how to, you know, take advantage of, of, of sign, you know, stealing signs and that kind of thing. Like, yeah, that maybe wasn't explicitly not in the rule or in the rule book, but it's obviously frowned upon for, for as long as there's been competition, there's been people that have pressed the rules or broken the rules, trying not to get caught in order to get an advantage. And where I think it makes it a little bit unique in horse racing, um, is from the gambling aspect. And I know you can gamble on other sports and that's there. There's something to be said there, particularly because gambling is getting becoming so widespread in the first place. But with horses, you know, it's, it's a constant there's, you know, you're looking at it. It's impossible besides the big races to really like, you know, follow every single moment of a horse, you know, of any particular horse, what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. Like, yeah, you might, might know three or four of the biggest names each year and you're keeping up with them and you're watching their workouts and you're reading news about them. But for the most part, you know, you're looking at them the day that that program comes out and you're looking at past performances. You might watch a race or two that they had previously run in. And then you're looking at their jockey. You're looking at their trainer. You're looking at some of their workouts, however you might handicap, but you're not going to go, you're not going to read into it to the extent of, uh, you know, well, I mean, this, this trainer has been a little bit sketchy, you know, maybe I've got an edge by betting. (laughs) Maybe, maybe that's the, maybe you, you, pick out the trainers that have a little bit of a, a bad reputation and that's the way you go. Right. I don't know. It is, a, it is kind of an amazing thing because when you look at, in fact, the pick four that I'm going to go over, there's one horse and I'm certainly not accusing this trainer of being a cheater by any means, but, um, there's this one horse that was previously trained by Chad Brown and, and every single race that under, you know, when he was the trainer, this horse was just killing it. Just, I mean, the speed figures were crazy winning races. Then, then the horse goes to a different trainer and it's just like becomes a dud. And, um, and you know, that could be maybe Chad Brown knew to get rid of that horse at the right time. That very well could be the case. Maybe this other trainer's just not nearly as good. That could very well be the case. But I think that you see things like that on, on, a pretty consistent basis. Uh, you know, we've talked about a couple guys that you see on Twitter quite a bit. One of them being, uh, Swift or Swifty or whatever that they talk about a lot. Um, he's kind of controversial and, and kind of a conspiracy theorist and whatever, but, uh, he, he, he pointed he screenshotted a part of a program and it was a Baffert horse that had done just what I said. He all of a sudden went from a, you know, stud that was just constantly, you know, 
throwing out high, big numbers, big workouts, and then switches trainers. And then all of a sudden, not so much. And so it begs the question, okay, so what are, what are we doing behind the scenes here? What's going on? So, you know, as a better, what do you do? Do you, uh, go with, uh, you know, your typical strategy, take the high road as they would say, and, and just kind of, you know, bet who, you know, bet who you think is going to win. Do you take the lower road? Maybe think that there's a little bit of an angle because there might be some shady stuff going on behind the scenes. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens in this, uh, mediation, uh, between the Baffert and his attorneys and these betters and what they come up with, because, you know, I mean, technically if they can prove, Hey, I bet this with the full, uh, with, with knowing that, or, you know, with the full confidence that this horse was legit and, uh, and because you did something to it, uh, affected my potentially large earnings, uh, then, you know, Maybe there's something to that. And maybe that becomes something bigger down the road, depending on how this actually turns out. So, you know, we'll see. Um, do you go the purest mentality or do you go uh, towards the side of, of uh, you know, a little shadiness there? So kind of reminds me of a buddy of mine, um, just to give a quick little comparison. But buddy of mine, he uh, he was high school, um, grew up in a, in a house with a bunch of different kids, um, was trying to figure out a way to afford college. He worked down at a local golf course and he was kind of always in trouble. Uh, he was just one of those, those guys that just got in trouble all the time. He actually dated this girl that she was Irish. Uh, she also worked at the, at the golf course. Um, she was, I mean, no offense to Irish women, but this girl was not a looker wolf. Um, but anyway, had a real weird accent. I think she was Irish anyway. Uh, she, uh, in fact, he, th- he thought he got her pregnant at one point. Um, that's a, a story for another day. Um, so, you know, at this, at this particular golf course, they offered like a, a scholarship program and, um, he, you know, wanted to make sure that he, he, was somebody that would be eligible for that scholarship. He was a pretty good golfer himself. Um, so, but it was really, it was really about the service and everything that he provided to the members at this particular club. And the guy that was kind of running the scholarship program and had some sort of unofficial role at the club was this, uh, older man. He was a judge, uh, had really white hair, kind of like Bob Baffert, honestly, uh, talk about smug, just a super smug guy, uh, not everybody's favorite person at the club, but held a lot of power there. And so, you know, it came with a little bit of respect. So uh, my friend just decided that, you know, he was just going to kind of kiss his ass and like do whatever he could. To, you know, he would he would carry the guy's bag during the round and help him cheat and everything like that. And, uh, you know, he he wanted to get that scholarship. So but there was another member at the club that had a little bit of a, you know, more laissez-faire mentality and kept telling my friend, he said, you know, he goes, you need to cut that out. Like be true to yourself. Like don't, don't sell yourself out just because you're trying to get that scholarship. And, and my friend just debated with himself back and forth on whether or not he should do this. Um, still had a hard time staying out of trouble. In fact, that judge, he, uh, he 
managed to find himself messing around with the judge's uh, niece, which was, yeah, not good. But the judge was actually willing to uh, kind of forgive him um, because they basically what happened was the the member that he uh, wanted him to not suck up to the judge and the judge had a little bit of a rivalry and decided to settle it on the golf course uh, in a little bit of a, a you know, two on two match. Um, you know, at the beginning, my friend, he said, he goes, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to caddy for the the judge and I'm going to help him any way I can. And then uh, the weirdest thing happened to the, the, the guy that, you know, was trying to discourage my friend from, you know, sucking up to the judge, his partner got hurt. And he said, Hey man, I, I need your help here. Like, and then my friend was faced with the decision much like many of us betters are today. And it's, it's, do you, do you, you stay with the the purest? Do you stay pure and want, want to know that a game is, is as pure as it can be? Or do you, do you go with the shady side? Do you just try to take advantage of all the angles? And my buddy, you know, he wanted to ch- take advantage of that angle and get that scholarship, but was it worth his character? And he decided to, you know, say, screw you to the judge. He ended up joining up on the team with the other member, uh, hits a huge putt at the end of the 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 round the match to win uh ends up being this huge celebration um you wouldn't believe it it was like a parade going down the end of the golf course just a i mean it uh, it was wild so that's something that can happen to you you stay you stay true to yourself people and that that can happen to you that can happen to you like it happened to my friend danny and that's a true story All right, so I'm going to jump into something just to kind of update you on how things are going in the year so far. Um, we're going to look at the, just kind of my power rankings for jockeys across like the major tracks. Um, so I'm not talking about parks. I'm not talking about, um, let's see, turf paradise, um, anything like that. So you'll have to go to a different podcast for that. I apologize. But uh, we are going to, I think this is a, a kind of a eye-opening way to look at things, particularly when you're looking at something from a horizontal perspective. Um, some of these percentages and numbers that I'm going to give you, it's kind of like a, wow, like, I don't, you know, how can I leave somebody like that off, uh, you know, in a, any given race during like, you know, a, a five race set, for instance, and in a pick five or something like that. So uh, anyway, starting with number 10, um, going to go with Walter Rodriguez, uh, out of Turfway. So this is, you know, um, Walter has had a really, really good start to his year. He's got 38 wins on 200 starts. Um, that's a 19%, uh, win rate. Uh, you know, he, I, I don't, I haven't really bet Turfway a whole lot to be honest with you. And a lot of that's just because of how hard it is. Um, we've talked about that some on the podcast and just, I think on Twitter, a couple of them call it Dartway Park just because it's like you're throwing darts. You don't really know where you can throw a dart at any any horse and it might end up coming in. So, um, but he has had showed some consistency, obviously, because he's at 19%. So, uh, kind of an honorable mention on this list at Turfway as well would be Gerard, Gerardo Corrales. Um, he, he's, I think he kind of gets the best of the best horses. Um, so, uh, Walter gets some good horses too, but I think 
Corrales probably has a better relationship with some of the better trainers. So, which makes that a little bit more impressive uh, that he's done so well there. So number 10, Walter Rodriguez, uh, number nine at Tampa, Pop- Pablo Morales, uh, 49 wins on 247 starts. That's a 20% win percentage. Again, Tampa's n- might not be something that you look at so much. Um, it's, it's doesn't, it doesn't typically draw the eyes and the pools that a lot of the other tracks do, but they've, they've got some good racing. In fact, last weekend, um, that was kind of, that was where all the good, good stuff was. They had, uh, several, uh, well, several graded stakes races and they had one qual, uh, uh, derby qualifying race as well. So, uh, Tampa's a good spot to look at. So I encourage you to go there. It's a family owned track, I think track, I think too. So it's not one of like the huge conglomerates that own it, um, which just kind of makes it neat. I'd actually like to visit there sometime. Uh, number eight coming in at number eight, Christian Torres. We've talked about him a little bit on the podcast, uh, at Oakland. Um, he's at 59 wins on 290 starts. Uh, that's 20%. Um, Pat, I think even one time alluded to him as kind of the Oakland Irad. Uh, and you know, he, uh, there are times where he gets hot and he can win several races for you in a day. So uh, he's certainly one that's kind of popped up on the scene. Um, he kind of came over if, uh, and they can, the, I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I believe he was kind of the stud over at Remington park in Oklahoma, which is kind of your uh, second rate track, uh, you know, where a lot of the, well, Asmussen being one of them and Carl Bro- Broberg being another one that kind of, uh, race, maybe some of their lesser horses. Uh, but he always, uh, that that's a name that always did well there. And, and in fact, Christian Torres is one that you see coupled up with Carl Broberg quite a bit. Um, number seven, got Luis Saez at Gulfstream, uh, 58, uh, wins on 310 starts at 19%. Saez is one that, uh, Clay, you know, as Clayton would say, he rides those horses hard and he does, um, he he's one that I have a hard time leaving out a lot of times because he'll he kind of just he he sneaks up on you. Uh, he has a horse in there that you get kind of you, you almost forget about him, and and that always seems to be a mistake for me. So and you see him uh, paired up with Pletcher a lot. Um, there must be a pretty good uh, relationship there, either between those two or or Luis's agent and, and Pletcher. So. Uh, next one is going back to Oakland, Ricardo Santana Jr. Uh, he's at 40 wins on 192 starts at 21%. I mean, I, the guy's killing it. Um, he comes to Keeneland and, and does, you know, the majority of days at Keeneland and, and he's always kind of been an afterthought for me, but, uh, and maybe, maybe Oakland's just kind of his spot just because the competition at Keeneland is, is going to be a little bit better, but um, he might be because of how impressive he's been this winter. Uh, he might be somebody that I, I look at um, come Keeneland time. So number six, Ricardo Santana, uh, number five, uh, my only one from fairgrounds on here, um, Ray Lou Gutierrez, 61 wins on 290 starts. That's 21%. That's just, I mean, he's had a solid year. He's kind of been the guy there. Um, my dad, uh, Easy Ed, will always tell you that, you know, watch out for sneaky James Graham at fairgrounds for some reason. He says you know, that, that that must be kind of the when I talked about 
Luis sneaking up on me. That must be the case for uh, Easy Edit Fairgrounds. I, again, Fairgrounds is a, a track that I follow, but do not bet a whole lot. So, uh, but Ray Lou's having a really good year. Also, a jockey that you'll find at Indy, Indianapolis, uh, which we've talked about several times. Uh, whether he continues to, I mean, he's doing so well, he might kind of graduated from that type of track, but uh, he was there quite a bit um, last fall. So, uh, that's a name to kind of look out for, uh, as an up and comer, uh, number four at Santa Anita, Juan Hernandez. Uh, so 44 wins on 183 starts. That's 24%. That's just strong. And the guy, I mean, he's been just kind of killing it on the West coast. I mean, he's the, he's the California guy. And, um, you know, if you look at all of the, you know, West coast jockeys, he's going to be on, He's, I mean, he gets the horses, um, and you know, that's half the battle is, is, is getting the horses. So, um, you know, Pratt is not on this list because he did struggle early on this year. Um, he has since done quite a bit better. He's been kind of hot lately. Uh, but I didn't, I do not have Flavian Pratt on this list. And, and, and I'll also remind you that this list is not the best jockeys. It's just my power rankings of jockeys so far this winter. So if you just listed the best jockeys out there in the world, this list would look completely different. Um, but given their respective tracks and where their kind of base is, you know, this is how, you know, effective and, you know, solid they are at these particular tracks. So number four, Juan, Juan Hernandez, number three, Sammy Camacho at Tampa, uh, again, going back to Tampa and it, it, Tampa's one that when I was doing these rankings, I almost left out altogether, but this is just damn impressive. So Sammy Camacho has 89 wins on 357 starts, 25%. So 25%, I mean, that's a quarter of the time this guy rides a horse, he wins. Um, And his win play show number, and I don't have it in front of me, is impressive too. It was something like 60%. So um, he's solid. Uh, he's very solid. And, and again, if you're betting something horizontal at Tampa, uh, you, I don't see a way that you'd be able to leave him out. Uh, he's clearly getting the horses. He's clearly pulling them through the finish line. So Sammy Camacho, number three, number two, Manny Franco at aqueduct. And this goes back to what I said about, um, you know, if we were ranking the best jockeys out there, and you know who you would want to ride your horse. Your second choice would likely not be Manny Franco, but in the in the winter meet at Aqueduct, the guy's been just insane. Um, and I know that Pat said that uh, Christian Torres being the Oakland Irad, Manny Franco has been the the uh, Aqueduct Irad. Um, he he's had days just like. Irad, where he's had six wins, four in a row at times, or something like that, something crazy. Um, he, you know, I follow New York quite a bit, just as much as I do anywhere else. Um, he's not always on the, you know, the absolute best horse in the race. I mean, he's usually on a top three or four favorite. It, don't get me wrong, but I mean, he'll bring some horses home for you that aren't necessarily, you know, it, it's not like he's getting a bunch of even money two to one shots all the time. So, uh, really impressive. 58 wins on 211 starts, 27%. Number one, I read, um, you know, I don't know how much more we can talk about this guy at Gulfstream, 94 wins on 354 starts, 
27%. It's really kind of incredible to watch. Um, I, I don't, I don't know where he'll end up going down in history or how long lived this run will be, but to this guy just makes things happen that you're just kind of like, it leaves you in awe and like it. And then at the, and then to some extent, as much as it leaves you in awe, it almost sort of bores you at the same time. You're like, Oh, there goes Irad again. And don't you dare leave him out when you think you figured out a way to beat him because he'll beat you. And I know that because it happens to me all the time. You would think I would learn my lesson. I still have not learned my lesson. I will literally go in and I'll see a six to one IRA and I'll be like, uh, I'm trying to save $12 on this ticket. So as much as I love IRA and as good as he's been, I got to, I think this three to one shot with Edgar Morales looks a lot better. Well, guess what? IRA's better than Edgar. Shout out Edgar Morales. And he beats me. So, um, those are your power rankings. Um, just kind of keep in mind those names when you're looking at these different tracks. Again, when you start looking into like the big racing times of the year, so like triple crown races, Breeders' Cup races, you know, a lot of these numbers aren't going to really matter. But when you're looking at just tracks on just their normal meet days, um, trying to follow each individual circuit, that's where this is going to kind of come in handy. So just quickly, number 10, Walter Rodriguez at Turfway. Number nine, Pablo, Pablo Morales at Tampa. Number eight, Christian Torres at Oakland. Number seven, uh, Luis Saez at Gulfstream. Number six, Ricardo Santana at Oakland. Number five, Raylu Gutierrez at Fairgrounds. Number four, Juan Hernandez at Santa Anita. Number three, Sammy, Sammy Camacho at Tampa. Number two, Manny Franco at Aqueduct. Number one, Irad, Irad Ortiz Jr. at Gulfstream. So, um, all right, moving on before I get out of here, because um, I'm sure if you're still listening, you're probably sick of hearing me talk. But um, I'm going to just give you a, a little pick four that I drew up. Um, I didn't put any kind of limit on it. Um, I didn't stick to any kind of competition guidelines or anything like that. Um as, as I mentioned to you guys in, in a previous podcast, you know, my wife and I just, um, had our first kid. So I've been doing a lot of middle of the night handicapping. Um, a lot of times not even to bet what I handicap, but more so just to kind of have something to look at while I'm trying to, you know, soothe the baby or she might've just fell asleep and I'm trying not to wake her up and I don't want to move her too much. So, you know, I'm just kind of rocking back and forth and looking at the horse races. And I will tell you just to warn you a little bit about my middle of the night handicapping. I was looking at Twitter, uh, also at the middle of the night and I saw, kept seeing this thing and it was like, uh, Florida bill says no dogs, uh, uh, outside of car windows, uh, and then like something down a couple things down is like Florida bill, uh, puts restrictions on dog parks. And I'm like, God, screw this Florida bill guy. This guy's an asshole. And then like, I woke up the next morning. It's like, Oh, Florida bill, like small B bill, like as in legislation, not a man that has been nicknamed Florida bill. So yeah, that that's what sleep de- deprivation will do to you. But so, you know, you should definitely listen to these picks because they're going to be hot ones. Florida Bill endorsed them. 
Anyway, uh, Oakline, we're going, this is on March 18th. So this is for Saturday. Oakline's really got the best card this weekend. Uh, maybe this is kind of to give, uh, the weekend everybody's watching basketball anyway. So um, there's not a whole lot as far as stakes races going, except for the Dubai World Cup. Um, those I was going to go over that, but those past performances weren't out yet. Um, so the international ones tend to take a little bit more time, or at least for Brisnet to, to provide them for whatever reason. So I don't know. Um, but anyway, this is going to be a pick for 50 cents. Um, you can do a dollar uh, the, the, for 50 cents is going to be 48 bucks. So 96 on a dollar uh, starts with race seven. It's an op- op- optional claimer. Excuse me. Mile is 16th on the dirt. Um, going to take the one Kapuna here going to be five to two morning line odds. Um, the, the rail post is at an 18% clip. Um, so once again, I, you know, I talked a little bit about those percentages with the jockeys when you see like a, a horse in this position, that's a good horse. So if a five to two horse and the rails went at 18%, that's, that's a pretty, pretty good thing to, to include in your ticket. So, uh, ran 94 last time out tied for that's the tied for the highest, speed figure in the race and it won it won its last race versus a very similar competition so the one kapuna the four frosted grace at two to one morning line odds second versus similar last time out um on a sloppy track uh the weather in hot springs arkansas on saturday is supposed to be nice supposed to be nice tomorrow too so i don't expect a wet track it should be fast um so the horse has performed better on fast track i mean granted it did get second it wasn't like it ran you know threw in a dud uh, it has Christian Torres on it and it is your morning line favorite. So, uh, four frosted grace six ain't life grand. It's four to one, uh, morning line odds. This is a Prairie Meadows horse. Uh, normally when I see that I, for better or worse, kind of just instinctively throw those out. Cause I just, obviously the competition at Prairie Meadows isn't as good, but this horse won by 13 links last time out in a hundred thousand dollar listed stakes race. So that's still pretty impressive. Uh, next, this is going to be kind of your value in the race. Uh, the seven spa city, um, it underperformed on a sloppy track last, last time. Um, this is an, I think it's an overlay at 10 to one. Um, I might be reaching here just to throw something in there. That's not one of the top three favorites because that's what I had in those first three that I gave you. Uh, but spa city, uh, I'm going to throw it in there just in case, just in case something crazy happens, uh, going on to the next one. This is our first of two graded stakes races, race eight, the grade three Whitmore stakes at six furlongs, uh, starting out number two, Tejano twist, uh, three to one. It's got Francesco Arietta on there. Another solid jockey at, at Oakland. And one to kind of keep your eyes on um, going into Keeneland in, in April. I know he he had a pretty good meet last October. Uh, a couple of races that kind of were eye-opening to me. But anyway, uh, last time out, ran a 100-speed figure. Uh, has won three times in a row prior to a second last time out on a sl- sloppy track. So, um, again, you know, if you, really, really good horses are going to win no matter – what the track condition is, but you know, if they have a little bit of an outlier on a sloppy track, you know, got to forgive them for that. So, uh, Tejano twist number seven flash of mischief 
nine to two morning line odds ran in the breeders cup sprint and i remember i threw it in my my pick five for the breeders cup races on this podcast because uh it ran a huge number at remington park right before right before that race like i can't remember what it was it was like a 115 or something i was like you never know maybe this it's got carl broberg on it going back to what we talked about earlier on the the podcast you know he's had his history with some stuff going on so you know maybe he but anyway um torres broberg on that so um flash of mischief who knows um and then number eight i'm i'm actually kind of surprised that this horse is 12 to 1 morning line odds i expect for them fully to come down but pirate rick uh it's a new york horse um norman cash is a trainer this thing is just running bullet after bullet workout and workouts you know take take them how you want to um i completely dogged them when we first started this podcast and I'll admit that I use them more often, probably more often than I should, but I mean, a track record of just, gosh, I mean, just bullets is very impressive. And, and, and his speed in races has actually been relatively consistent as well. And, uh, you know, solid speed. So, um, pirate Rick number eight, moving on to the ninth race, the grade three Essex. Um, uh, this is a mile and a 16th, um, going thin here. Um, Maybe that's stupid, but we'll see. Number one, Silver Prospector, six to one morning line odds. It's got Ricardo Santana Jr. on it. So we got a 21% jockey and it's on on the rail. The rail wins at an eight, 18% rail clip. So I'm just, you know, using those two statistics combined to think this horse has got a pretty good shot. It's also an Asmussen horse. Uh, Steve Asmussen has traditionally been a trainer that I've, I've always really liked and followed. So, um, there's, there's the reason there, uh, number eight, Tawny port at 15 to one. Another one that I'm, I'm kind of surprised is at 15 to one, um, Rafael Bayerano, solid jockey, Brad Cox. Um, it's got all the class. I mean, this horse is just, just continues to run in quality races. We're going back to, Grade three, Pennsylvania Derby, grade one, Jim Dandy, grade two, won the Ohio Derby at Thristle Down back in June. Uh, but I mean, if you look at the speed figures, 89, 94, 105. Um, so I think it's got a a chance here. Um, I I am not including the favorite 10 last samurai. Um maybe that is stupid. Uh Outside post positions have a poor win percentage at this at this length at this distance. Uh, one at or it had, ran one hundred and five uh, at Oakland. Add it if you really want to. I'm not going to um, five two morning line odd. I'm taking a stand there. All right, race ten ninety thousand dollar maiden. This is a bunch of Archie breads running six furlongs. Uh, Starting with the eight gold strategy, 12 to one. Once again, Francisco Arietta keeps running this race, like won't drop in class, just keeps running in 90,000 maiden races over and over again. Keeps getting close. It's just run third after third after third. So uh, you got to think if the they're, they're continuing to run it. They think they got a shot. Uh, eventually, I think it's going to break through. Maybe it'll be this time. So I'm including it. Uh, the nine Nagala. Uh, six to one morning line odds. This is a firsty, but it's got Bayerano and Ron Moquette. Moquet. Uh, that's the jockey trainer combo. Uh, 
probably the best jockey trainer combo in the race. So we'll see what that first he can do. Uh, these, these horses, I'm just so unsure about them. I needed to throw a first time starter in there just to see what happened. Number 11, Magnolia may, uh, ran the best speed figure, which was a 71 last time out. Uh, this is going to be your favorite likely at seven to two. Uh, so got to throw that in there. And then finally, t- the 12 count all joy. This is 20 to one. This is Ricardo Santana Jr. You know, if you're, if you're the, have the highest win percentage at the track and you're riding a 20 to one maiden race, you know, there's got to be something there. So it's, a, it's second start. So, you know, anything can happen on that first start, first time out. Maybe we make a big jump on our second start. I'm throwing it in there. There is an also eligible in this race as well. Street Painter, which would has a morning line odd, odds at five to two. It's a Christian Torres Dorio combo. Um, if that happens, uh, I will include this horse also, which would be the 13. Um, just to, you know, it, it, I think it's probably got the best shot to win, but you would have to see some sort of scratch in order for it to get in. Uh, if one of the horses I mentioned previously scratches, it'll be an automatic one, but I'll probably add it regardless. So, uh, just to go over those again, um, race seven, we're going with the one Capuna, the four frosted grace, the six ain't life grand, the seven spa city race, eight, two Tejano twist, seven flash of mischief, eight pirate Rick, the, uh, race nine, one silver prospector and eight tawny port. And then finally, race 10, 8, Gold Strategy, 9, Nagala, 11, Magnolia May, 12, Count All Joy, and stay tuned about the 13 Street Painter. Uh, not including that also eligible Street Painter, the ticket will cost you 48 bucks uh, on 50 cents. Um, if you add Street Painter in, I didn't do that math, so figure it out on your own. It was late when I did that ticket. And, uh, anyway, so, uh, again, did that in the middle of the night. So take that with a grain of salt, but, um, you know, I had the handcuffs off this time. There were no, we didn't have any competition restrictions or anything like that. Oddly enough to, uh, I played four pick threes last weekend or was it two weekends ago that we did the podcast. Um, and the only one that I didn't hit was the one that I gave you guys. Now that's not to say that these other ones were like giants because they weren't like, I think I've actually like lost money on one of them. Um, one of them I think paid okay, like pretty well, uh, like eight or nine to one odds back on my money. But uh, yeah, so certainly not bragging there, but just, I mean, it just kind of, it's a bummer when you, when you get on these airways and, and throw out a clunker, but Anyway, uh, we will be back next week with a full slate um, and hear from the guys and see what they've been doing. Uh, I know Clayton has been on and off. I think Pat had some success last weekend, actually. He said, I'm going to stop while I'm ahead. And we were like, hey, ahead. That's that's nice. Uh, But anyway, hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Hope you guys enjoy watching some basketball. I know I will. And go cats. I put my money on the long shots. All my ballers that's born the clock. No one will be on top, whether I perform or not. I went from lukewarm to hot. We are the